Welcome to the ProPlayer.com podcast. Today I'm joined by professional footballer Tiffany Cameron. Tiffany's currently playing for Spanish Liga F club Real Betis. She was born in Canada to Jamaican parents. She's part of the Jamaican women's national team. She graduated Ohio State. She was the NCAA second team All-American, two-time first team All-Big Ten selection. She left Ohio State as the Buckeyes' all-time leading goal scorer with 40 goals and 96 career points. During her senior year in 2012, she led the Buckeyes with 21 goals, breaking the previous school record. Her nine game-winning goals were the most in the country and her 19 career game winners tied fourth the most in Big Ten history. Played all around Europe in Germany, Sweden, Norway, Hungary, Israel, Cyprus, She's got experience of playing in the Champions League. She's also played here in the States for Seattle Reign and FC Kansas City. I've had the privilege to work with Tiffany in the past. She's much more than soccer. And today I'm personally delighted to welcome Tiffany Cameron to the Pro Player Podcast. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be on your podcast. I'm really looking forward to speaking further about you know my career and my goals and how the younger generation uh, is important to me, and yeah, let, let's do this. Brilliant, brilliant. Tip, I'm really excited for this one. Uh, I know we've we've been I've been fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time in your company, obviously uh, with Jamaica. But I I I think that your insight and experience and the way that you look at not just the game but also life will make for such a great episode because you've literally been there and done it. You've travelled. You've had so many different experiences. You must have played for so many different coaches with so many teammates at this point that you, you know, you're you're going to be able to speak from the heart about what we really want to do here is is find what works, what doesn't work, and you know, just have an authentic experience of what it's like to be a professional uh, footballer uh, and hopefully give some strength to you know those people who want to follow in your footsteps. So really, I'll I'll give you an open floor and and just say. You know, where would you like to start? Say I would want to start when I, I guess it all started actually um, playing in elementary school. I would always play like basketball, soccer, hockey, any sport you could imagine um, during recess. Um, but one sport stood out to me, which was soccer. And everyone was like, wow, Tiff, you're really good. You should, you should play. And I, I was always playing with the boys, you know. And one day I went up to my mom and I was like, she knew I, I loved hockey and she knew I loved soccer. But it's interesting because my first pick was actually hockey because, you know, in Canada, that was, that's the main yeah. sport, you know? So I asked her if I could join a hockey team and she said, Tiff, it's very expensive. Can you, can you think of something else that you would like to play? And I was like, well, soccer, I love soccer as well too. And she's like, okay, well, let, let's sign you up. And, you know, I started kind of late when I was nine years old um, I started with North uh, Mississauga and I was with them for like what about a year or two and and then I played with uh, Aaron Mills for many years and um, I really enjoyed actually playing for both clubs but Aaron Mills created exposure for me we used to travel a lot you know in the states and uh, we went to this tournament called Gothia Cup in Sweden, and we were able to play against different countries, obviously with with club teams in different countries, and that was a really cool experience. Um, but it definitely 
opened up um, my exposure. And from then I, I joined uh, Team Ontario. And then from then I built my way up to NTC and then played for Team Canada. Um, but during that time, I, I remember I was 14 years old um, and I had to wake up every morning um, on the weekend and I hated it. I had to wake up, at, I think it was like 5.30 in the morning and, I'm, and I spoke to my mom one day. I'm like, look, it's it's too early. This is, I want to be a regular kid. I'm, I'm missing out on like being with my friends and doing normal things, you know, and my mom was like, Tiff, like you have a lot of talent. Um, I know you want to play for Canada one day. And also, you know, school is very expensive. You know, when you get to college or university, it's going to be very expensive and it's going to be difficult for me and yourself. Maybe one day you could use your talents to get a full ride scholarship. And she's like, you know, you've worked so hard. Why would you want to quit and throw it all away? And I, I'm so happy that her and I had that discussion because I could have chose another direction and just quit just because I wanted to be like everyone else but I realized how much my mom cared about me and wanted the best for me and she saw something maybe that I didn't really exactly see in myself because I was too young so I trusted her and I said you know what you're right I'm I'm going to stick with this and I'm so happy I listened to her because you know uh, she's been such an influential part of my entire career and she's been literally the backbone for me um so yeah, I, I listened to her and then, you know, I went to my first under 17 World Cup with Canada. That was an amazing experience. You know, we went to uh, New Zealand and uh, we made it all the way up to the quarterfinals and Germany beat us 3-1. I had an assist that game, so I was happy about that, but it was a tough loss for us, uh, but it was also an eye-opener. And just to show, you know, if you there's going to be moments in your life where you're not going to want to do certain things. Um, but if you know that you have something special, you owe it to yourself to to prove why you're on this earth. You know, everyone has their own purpose. And I knew that like soccer was going to be a part of my life that was going to change me on and off the field. And I'm and I told myself, you know what, I'm going to stick with this. And I'm happy I did. You know, I went to my first World Cup at, as a young player and I also got a full uh, ride to Ohio State, a full-time scholarship, so I didn't have to pay for school. And, you know, education was really important to me um, and, you know, still is till this day. So I, I thank my mom all the time. I look back at that moment and, you know, even till this day as a 32-year-old, I, I think about those that moment specifically because sometimes it gets hard playing overseas. Um, you know, you don't have your family, you don't have your friends that you've grown up with all of your life. So you're kind of on your own and you have to like start from scratch, you know? So I think about that moment and it pushes me through everything. It's like, I have things to prove. Even as a 32 year old, I still have things to prove. We know when, when any player moves into a new environment, they start from scratch. So anything that they've done from the past doesn't really matter. It's, it's what, what are you going to be doing in the present? Um, and how are you going to be an impact um, for your current situation and yeah I think that was a really special moment for me back then and when I was 14 and I've used that um, throughout my career and you know I, I spent four years at Ohio State I uh, was able to break the all-time leading goal scorer record um, and that was special for me and I've been playing professionally now for what 11 years um, 
yeah, football has taken to me, taken me a lot of places. And of course, I've, I went to two World Cups with Team Jamaica. Uh, we'll definitely get into that. Where why why did I make that switch? I, that's definitely a lot of people like to hear that story or or are curious about that story. So yeah, yeah now I'm sure. in Spain and in, in enjoying football here. And like I said, there's still so much more to prove. And I find as each day goes on, I'm I'm able to show a little bit more of me, more of my personality on the field and more of my personality off the field. And it's exciting because. I, I know everything that I'm capable of doing and I could see myself slowly like expressing myself more and more. Uh, and I'm really excited uh, like to show that to this, to this club. So, you know, there, there's time. <laughs> Honestly, it's such, it's such an illustrious journey. And obviously, you know, the pitfalls, as you've, you know, mentioned this, nobody's path to success is a, is a you know, a straight, a straight diagonal kind of line to the top, is it? And you mentioned there the discussion with your mom at a young age. Um, you know, we all need people like that in our lives, don't we? And it's amazing how many times you speak to high performers and they've had these kind of seminal moments sometimes with family members or coaches or experiences in their life that, that have done that for them. But also, I love the way you talk about soccer being part of your purpose. Um, I think that's a really good way to look at it. And my experience of, of working with you, Tiff, you, you mentioned it there, when younger players would come into the squad or get their first international caller, I, I do remember you going out of your way, not not in a, you know, not in a, you weren't you weren't going and doing anything you wouldn't have done normally, but you went out of your way to make them feel welcome and, and you know, sit with them or, or at least have a conversation with them if the moment arose. And some people don't do that. Some people avoid those situations. And listening to your story here and, and getting to know a little bit more about that, I can kind of see how important that authentic side of you is. Where, where did you, why do you think that is so important? Why is that such a big part of you as a player? Is it because you've moved around a lot yourself? But I've always been interested in how some people have the strength to do that and the place the value on that. You certainly did. Uh, I, I think that I always look at my, like the younger version of me and some things that I would have maybe have liked to have during that time where that I didn't. So now when I'm putting the situation as a, an experienced player um, in maybe a younger environment, I always think about those moments and I'm like, well, how can I um, influence this group? You know, how can I give my support to this group or my insight, you know, what I went through in the past and show that I'm there for this young player. And I, I always think about that. And I want, I always want players around me to feel comfortable so I'm not afraid to have uncomfortable conversations because I think it's important you know I value honesty and communication and I can look at a person or I can be in an environment and I'll know if someone's being honest with me or if they're not and and I am the type of person who will call a person out or I'll say something you know but I say it respectfully I'll never make someone feel less than or you know but I think we need more females to have a voice like that and not be afraid to speak their mind because that's where the change will come you know you have to be able to have tough conversations you have to also be able to show your teammate that you're going to be there for them whether they're doing well or not and I think sometimes in the female game like females will if someone's not doing very well, they'll they'll like to talk about it instead of 
offering their help. You know, I've seen that so many times. And, and I know now whenever I get into an environment, if I see that maybe a player struggling or if I see that I'm struggling with a player communication wise, I'll go up to them and I'll be like, hey, I noticed this. Like, can we fix this in this way? Like, and we need to have more conversations like that. Otherwise, things won't get better. And I think that's a little bit of part of my purpose um, off the field as well, too. I, I, I take the time to get to know people and, and why they are the way they are and, and accept them for who they are. And I really would encourage more females to get out of their comfort zone and do that because it will definitely create change in the women's game. We have made such great insight, and, and I think you're absolutely right. We we had Jody Taylor on earlier in Series 1, and Jody was talking about um, you know some coaches that had taken the time to do those kinds of things and some that just blatantly ignored players, like, you know, just never you know, never even told them their decisions and players would find out on the back end and if there were issues, they would never address them. You know, it's really sad that that, you know, is still such a big part of, of coaching in the women's game. But how refreshing to hear, you know, a player of your, of your standing talking about, well, I go and choose to do the hard thing and have the hard conversation. And I think what you're doing as well is you're giving great insight into how to do that. So if there's a, there's a young female player out there or there's a young aspiring coach wanting to work in the women's game what 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 would your advice be to having difficult conversations and and this translates to all manner of things doesn't it in high performance sport you know corporate offices around the world difficult conversations are difficult conversations but in in you know in the auspices of what we're discussing what would your advice be to people who perhaps want to do that but might not have the skills or have the confidence um, or understand the value in, in getting over that hurdle. Let's try and help some people step into that world if we can. Well, bef before you have to have a difficult conversation with someone else, you have to have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself, well, how can I improve? What am I doing wrong? And how can I improve in my own situation? And then you can go and talk to the other person. I think it's always important. People are usually more open when you admit something about yourself, maybe some, uh, maybe an area that you think that you're struggling with a little bit and you, because it's, it's all about vulnerability, you know, and openness. So if you go up to a person and you say, hey, I'm struggling a little bit with this and I want to be better. Um, and I think you could help me be better in this situation, you know, and I've also noticed something uh, in you where I, I think that if you do this better, then it could help yourself and it could help the both of us and also the team. So it's all, you always have to look inward before you project anything else on, on, on anyone else, you know? And that's the approach that I always like to have before I have tough conversations. I, I acknowledge um, maybe where I need to be better first. And then I will say, hey, like I need this from you, you know? And it, it's interesting because even uh, the other day I had a conversation with, with um, my team captain and I said, look, like, I, I will improve um, if I have positivity around me, you know? So there are always going to be certain players on the team that might be very passionate or, or might have to work on their um, emotions as well too, you know, or they're younger and they're not, they're still under trying to understand certain things and maybe their um, demeanor is not as positive as it needs to be. But I, 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 so one thing before I, last year I came here and I was very observant. 
I, I said certain mm -hmm. things, but but I, I gave myself a couple of months to adjust to everything. But I know exactly as a player what I need to thrive um, in my environment. So I had a tough conversation and I had to say, hey, look, like I, I need a little bit more positivity from these specific players on our on our team. And I noticed after that conversation, it was a completely like she had her, I guess maybe her conversation with those players or whatever, and completely different um, environment the next two days. And I was able mm -hmm. to also train even better because um, my captain took in that information and, and communicated it. So that was an uncomfortable conversation for me because obviously I'm a new player, but I'm like, no, 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 no. I have to put my foot down. And if I think something's unacceptable, I have to speak about it. I can't keep it inside. And that was, a freeing a feeling for me you know and I, I think uh, that that should be practiced more in the, in the women's game you know to, to acknowledge yeah. something and then speak about it I, I couldn't agree with you more I, I've been very fortunate in my career I spent the first 15 years of my career in the men's game and I've spent the last kind of decade in, in the women's game and you know my first experience of women's football was, was both in England and mm. I, I think in the last decade of women's football, there's been so many meter changes that what you're talking about now is the granular level of, you know, the DNA of teams and makeup and, you know, how, how people interact together on a daily basis with more professional environments than they were before. You know, I think what you're saying is, is a huge call to action. It's, and, it, and it's great because you can't, you can't, you've got to, I think it's worth saying this. If you're going to stand up for what you think is right, if you're going to say stuff that, you know, you think I have to speak, and you're certainly one of those people there. It's mm -hmm. a lonely road at times, isn't it? It can be lonely because not yeah. everybody gets up and thinks that way from minute one, do they? Not everybody. Some people yeah. see that moment that you're talking about, and they do let it slide, and they do mm -hmm. let it go. And I suppose the argument is, well, they have a much easier path or a much easier life. And it's certainly in my career, I've found that I've moved on from places, or, or sometimes, not always, but... I found that, you know, you move on if you have those conversations where you'd probably be more secure if you didn't. But you can't not, can you? And, and maybe you can speak towards that. Tip. Why is it that some people, you're not talking about standing up and being a nuisance. You're talking about standing up for what's right. You're talking about standing up for vulnerable people. You're talking about standing up for standards. And you're, you're talking about, at this stage in your career, what you know you need to be at your best. So why do some players, coaches, feel that way and why do some people not i i think it's uh you know what i've learned when i guess it's throughout my time playing in europe i've learned that a lot of europeans are not very confrontational they they rather um just kind of keep to themselves and they don't want to step on people's toes you know or hurt feelings so they'll keep things inside but you know me as a north american i'm used to everyone around me being straight up like if something's not good enough they're gonna say it you know and I feel like I've been placed in this environment to show that it's okay to like speak your mind but but also it has to be respectfully you know where you're you you, you say something to someone and it, in a respectful manner and they have time to process it and then they can react to it um, later down the road. But I think a lot of people are just afraid of what people might think. So they don't 
say what's deep down inside of them. And I think that can poison a person because if you hold onto things for too long, then you're you're just stuck in the shell and you're not able to express yourself fully. And for me, I think playing football is is art. Like you you have to be able to express yourself and feel free. If you feel trapped, then you're not gonna be playing your best football. So I never want to be feeling trapped. You know, I, I think the hardest part about coming to a new team is adjusting to everything. So that has been a little bit hard for me at first, but I, I told myself coming into the new year, I have to make it very clear what I need to succeed and be my best self. So, you know, now I'll be able to have more of these type of conversations, you know, and, and just try and get to know players a little bit more and I, and hopefully it will encourage players if they see what I'm doing to speak a little bit more say hey Tiff like you know and I think I've already started to see that especially the past couple of days how people are communicating with me and yeah. it's important you know and that's how I know that what I'm doing is is creating a difference even like there's certain conversations I've had with our coaching staff and stuff about like uh, recovery and how I'm used to recovering, you know, my entire mm -hmm. life. And there was a time last year where I recovered a different way and, and it set back my body a little bit. I mean, I was still able to play games, but it, it hurt me. And we had to have a tough conversation about that. You know, it's about working together. You have a new player. You have to kind of learn about what their type of uh, style is on and off the field. And then you have to learn to work with it. So that was an uncomfortable conversation, but it was, it was we had it and it actually was a very liberating feeling for I guess the both of us as well too because now they know exactly what I need to recover and they've made the adjustments on their end and I've made my adjustments as well too so it's great I, I think I'm I've been placed on different teams to show different things and there's a lot of I think growing here um at this program, um, you know, that I'm responsible for and also that the whole team is. So I'm really looking forward to how we can progress. It's, it's really it's really a great example. You talk about collaboration there. And I think it's, it's worth saying this on this segment as well, that while it can be difficult and it is hard to live in authenticity, it, the rewards I've found certainly, and you're saying certainly, are huge. And collaboration between players, high-performance staff, coaches, whatever it is, you know, when, what I feel like most top coaches want is that collaboration. And they might always be able to agree, but at least they'll explain why. Okay, I've yeah. heard you, but this is, you know, this is why I think we have to do it this way. And if that opportunity arises in the future, let's revisit it. Because really, recovery modalities are such these days that if you are taking cost out of it, you know, you can be specific and bespoke on those kinds of areas of a program. You can't dictate when a game is played or perhaps, you know, the training loads you have to do leading up to a match, match day minus two. But you can, you know, you can offer a suite of things in other areas. And what you're discussing here, I think most top coaches would want that or welcome that now. And I also think as well, you, you know, you're talking about that journey towards authenticity there. There's two types of people, I suppose, listening to us, uh, you know, in, in the coming months and years when they pick this up. But there's those starting out on their journey and they probably don't even understand how important this stuff you're talking about is at this point because I remember what it was like to try and climb the ladder, to try and gain a seat at the table, to 
you know, learn everything you needed to learn. And you're not really thinking about your authentic self at that point because you are trying to be, you know, an amalgamation of all of the things. And as a player, I suppose it's the same, isn't it? Your authentic self as a player at 16 years old is probably not good enough to be a professional. So you have to mm. learn to be someone else. And then this, this walk back to authenticity in your career is so important. So those people started out in their journey, I think it's worth mentioning that so they can think about that now. But also people in the industry who are taking stock perhaps on their career and their processes and what they've done for years and years and years. You're giving them an opportunity to reflect and think, well, is it? Am I doing the best thing I've always done? Or should I change this or that or the other? And how can I be better? I think what you're talking about here is probably the most important conversation uh, that's not being had. Tiffany Cameron's with us today on the Pro Player podcast, and we're delighted to have her here. And we are getting into this discussion about authenticity and the women's game and where we're going uh, moving forward. And just want to turn attention to, to your career, Tiff, and your younger years. Uh, you mentioned there earlier on that you uh, played for Canada and you obviously went to the Under 17 World Cup with Canada, uh, had a successful tournament there, but uh, you ended up then. Um, later in your career, uh, playing senior football for Jamaica, and there's a lot of people would like to hear uh, the nuances and the you know the the relevant parts of that story for sure. Yeah, so there was a time. What was it? I think 2014 or 2013. I think it was 2014. Um, Coach Busby he reached out to me and he said, "Tiff, um, I was wondering if you're interested in playing for Jamaica." Uh, and I was like, and this is, this is via email. He's like, I would love to jump on a phone call with you and tell you about some of the things that we're planning for the future. And at the time I was uh, still playing for Canada. Um, I was in the pool of players and uh, I hadn't gotten called up for a while though. So I was like, okay, well, let me just have an open mind. So we jumped on a phone call and he spoke about um, obviously uh, his journey and and how he's a part of the program now, the Jamaican program now, and how he wants to um, strengthen the program and all the things that uh, are will be planned for the future. And he said financially, it's been it's been really tough, but we're we're looking into putting funding into the program um, and also paying the girls as well. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And, and I'm like, you know, I just need to give it some time to think about. And I did give it some time and, and I got back to him. I said, you know, right now I'm not ready to make the swap because um, I still feel like there is a chance for me with Team Canada, you know, and and I, at the time I was playing in Germany and, you know, I was still communicating with the Canadian national team coach. It was uh, John Herbin at the time, a fantastic coach. Um, so I just didn't, I wasn't ready yet to, to make that swap, but I said, you know, we're going to keep in contact. I don't want to... Um, get rid of that opportunity and maybe maybe later down the road I might have a change of heart so fast forward a couple years later um 2018 uh team Jamaica qualified for the world cup uh for the first time in history and it's interesting because I met uh one of my really good friends Nicole McClure I met her while I was playing in Israel and I think that was 2015 or 2015 2016 and she spoke about the Jamaican national team and how um, 
they just they, like they completely shut down for many years and Sadella Marley came to the rescue and funded the program and you know had a vision and helped everyone get back up on their feet and and she was like you know it's, it's an opportunity now so yeah maybe one day you play for Jamaica and we we're like kind of talking about it. I'm like yeah maybe you know and then <laughs> the fast forward to 2018 she um them I, I don't know if you remember the shootouts uh against Panama and she made like yeah like two or three really good saves I remember speaking to her before the game and stuff and you know, there she was struggling with a little bit of playing time. I said, honestly, girl, your moment is going to come. Just stay ready. She's like, yeah, I will. So, you know, she got substituted on for penalty kicks, and she she made amazing saves. And, you know, the, the team qualified for the World Cup for the first time in history. And I remember staying up so late in the morning um, watching that game. Uh, I believe I was in Sweden at the time. And I was so proud of her. And Coach Busby literally – emailed me a couple hours later and was like, I, I'm sure you've heard Jamaica has qualified for the World Cup. I'm one I wonder I'm wondering if you want to revisit our conversation that we had a couple years ago. And I was like, oof, wow. <laughs> now is the time. So that was 2018. That was the end end of 2018. And I went to a, a Canadian national team camp. It was like an acceleration camp. And they were looking at me as like a left back, which is so, I, I chuckled to myself because obviously when I was playing for them, I was playing as a striker, but there was a, there was a need um, for like fullbacks, you know, and they looked at me uh, in that position. They actually thought that I did pretty well there. You know, they just needed, I needed some time, you know, and I, I, I'm like, wow. And cause now I'm looking at the position I play now for Jamaica. So I'm like, this is interesting that this happened way before John Herbert saw a vision. He saw something, but anyways, this, this opportunity came about and I said, you know what? I think now's the time I've given team Canada a couple years. I mean, yeah, they saw me last year in a camp, but you know, why wouldn't I want to be a part of history? Both of my parents were born in Jamaica. You know, I'm an older player there. It's a younger team. I can, bring some experience to the to the team and you know it's an honor to be able to compete for a spot to play at a world cup why wouldn't i take this you know so thought about it a little bit more and then i said yeah i i have to make the switch this is the time um and i'm so glad that i made that decision because look at what we've been able to accomplish Indeed. you know going to two back-to-back -back world cups and coach busby he's a bad of his word everything that he told me that he wanted for the program actually came to be so it, I, I always look back and think about that conversation I had with coach Busby and and the trust that he had in me and he knew how impactful I could be for you know the, the country on and off the field and, and that's what's so important about if they can see like a coach can see that a player is more than just a player that's so important because if you can connect with the player off the field, you'll get more from them on the field. Getting getting to know and understand a player, and I think Coach Busby, he's he was so good uh, with that, and and very good with his communication, very open with me, um, and and I I respect him until uh, till this day. Like we we still will have conversations um, here and there. So yeah, that's that's kind of my story. Why I made the swap. I remember I had to submit a big letter to FIFA as to why I want to make the swap. Like it had, there's a whole process. <laughs>
Um, and then, you know, I had to get my citizenship and, you know, my Jamaican passport. There was a whole long process. And even before the World Cup, it took so long for FIFA to finally approve me for the, for the swap. And they're like, are you aware you cannot play for Canada ever again? And I said, I am aware, but I'm ready for this yeah. um, decision. And, you know, honestly, it's the best decision I've made for my career. I, so I, I can't even, I can't say that there was something else that was better than that, that decision to swap because it's created so many opportunities on and off the field for me. And I, I'm really yeah. grateful for that. And it's such a, you know, we have to make these big decisions in life and to have a successful career. And they, it's difficult, isn't it? It's very difficult to know what's right. And, and there is an element of, you know, feel and trust in your, your intuition, but, Quick word to Coach Busby there. It does help when you have someone with a vision and, uh, mm. um, you know, with that level of compassion and, and, and understanding and uh, who generally wants to, you know, help others and, and be in for it. And, um, you know, just quick word towards uh, towards him as well. But I think there's going to be a lot of people listening who would love to do any of the things you've done, play professionally, play in the Champions League, play international football, go to World Cups. You know, it's dream for the vast majority of people. Uh, and as you read it off there, you know, you've, you've done it all. And what do you think would be your advice to, you know, players wanting to walk that path? I would say there are going to be people in this world who will fight for you no matter what, whether you're doing well or whether you're not doing well. And those are the people that you want in your corner um, to help you succeed. And I would tell the I would tell young athletes to just be aware of their surroundings, um, because that can make or break a player. And stay true to yourself um, and do the things that you love. Remember why you play the game, uh, and work on your your strengths and work on your weaknesses. I mean, let me tell you something. My left foot when I was young was terrible. And I remember I had a coach, Brian Rosenfeld, he would be on me about it. Tiff, use your left foot. You have to use your left foot if you want to succeed. No, seriously, no. If you want to succeed, later down the road as a professional athlete. He used to get on me, but he knew exactly what he was talking about. And and I, it was so uncomfortable for me, but I, I knew that he was right. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, if I want to be a, a really good striker, I have to know how to use both feet. Because not not every situation that you're going to get in the game is going to is going to be on your dominant foot. You have to be able to use both feet. And I, I took that from a young age, and I worked and worked and worked so much on both my feet. And it's so interesting because sometimes I chuckle and I'm like, well, my left foot is looking better than my right now. <laughs> sometimes, you know. So I <laughs> I think that's so important that you know players sometimes will focus. Oh, what what they're not good at well they'll mm. they'll they'll hear about what they're not good at they'll like kind of shy away from improving in that but it's important to be like okay well you're not a perfect player but so you have to work on your weaknesses but you also have to work on your strengths so like that they balance out you know once that weakness is is up to par you know so yeah i would say i mean that's a little bit of you know, more than just one thing <laughs> of advice that I would give. Uh, but I would think if, if players follow those things, then, then they will be able to succeed. 
this is such a great lesson in there for, for aspiring players and for coaches. You talk about, you know, coaches getting on you in the right way. And it can't, you know, we've had this discussion many times on the podcast. And, and, and I think we want to do it differently today. I want to try and talk to you about, you know, the coaches who, you know, they, they demand more of you. You want to walk through the, you want to walk through brick walls. You want to, you know, you want to achieve for them. Also for yourself, of course, but there are certain coaches, and you probably had this in your experience, where you know certain coaches get that balance right, and then some coaches don't. And, and I feel in my time in North America, this is Hollywood or tradition, or maybe other sports, on how other sports coaching has been done over the years and lifted up in a way over the years. The world is a very different place now. But can can I ask you about? It doesn't have to be a personal account, but. Can I ask you about when, you know, when coaches in the, in the women's game go to these tactics of, you know, raising their voice, over-excessively raising their voice, singling players out, demeaning behaviour, that kind of thing. You know, that you know what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a line there. Some people find it on a regular basis. And I've actually had players come to me, an NCAA student come to me and say, I need you to scream at me. I need you to be harder on me. And, and they don't need mm. but they've no idea of any difference from their mm. youth career or even their college career. Um, what is it like as a player when you're being spoken to and communicated with in that fashion on a soccer field in front of your teammates and, and you've got this unbelievable dream and you're trying to be all you can be? How does it feel? What is it like? To actually experience that because that's something I'll never obviously experience. I think there are different coaches will have different uh, coaching methods and I honestly think I think that has has the right to scream their players are not working hard because I don't so, so for me I don't care how like technical a player is or Wow, they're so amazing. If they don't have a good worth ethic and if they're not a, a team player, then that's going to hurt the entire team. So I've been in situations where coaches have lost their minds when they've noticed that, you know, their team is not working hard. Because sometimes you've seen in the game where there are situations where there could be another team and they could just be better. They could be just more talented. But you've seen where they faced, they've faced uh, opponents that are not as talented, but they have more heart and de determination to win. And that, that team ends up winning. So I feel, I only feel like if, if a team is not working hard or if players are not working hard and they're just going through the motions and tiptoeing, then a, a coach has every right to be upset and raise their voice. But I think if a player is making, if a player has made a mistake, to scream at a player, that's not okay. If they made the, the same mistake three, four, five times, I can understand there's going to be some frustration, you know, but I, I don't believe in coaches screaming um, in that light. And I think, you know, obviously I have my, my B license as a coach. And within that process of 
of learning, I, I realized that, you know, every player responds in different ways, right? And some players do need you to be hard on them, but respectfully. So if you're, if your information is being, if you're communicating something to a player and it has a little bit of a tone, but it's, it's in like a good light, then it's okay. But if you're literally screaming at a player and making them feel less than, or that they're the worst player on the, on the team, then then that's a problem. So Mm -hmm. it just depends on how things are communicated. You know, and I, I personally haven't worked with any coaches that have made me feel lesser than, which I, I've been yeah. pri- privileged. Um, yes. Like, I, I've been honored to not have that situation, you know, happen to me. I've had players, I've had coaches yell at me, of course, but not where it's just like, you're terrible, you know? And, and I know that there are some athletes out there that have gone through that, which is really upsetting. But I don't believe in that coaching method. I'll never believe in. I don't like. I said I only. I will. I think it's only justifiable if if a player is going through the motions and they're not working hard. Then they can get yelled at, or they can just get taken off the field. Because I know for for me, for example, if I'm if I'm coaching a team and I look at the first half, and if the first half is not going well, and I see players going through the motions, they're getting subbed. Like. We got some hungry, hungry players on the bench that want to work hard. So, so if you don't want to work hard, then you're getting yanked off. <laughs> I would, if if I really believed in a player, though, I'd give them at least maybe five to seven more minutes to make a change in the second half to to yeah. see if their attitude has changed. But if it hasn't, they're coming off. That that would be my yeah. my way of of looking at things. But also, you're talking about you're talking about effort, and and I think that's a really mm-hmm. important distinction for us to make here because there'll be a lot of aspiring coaches listening who will think no i'm gonna you know hold standard and, and i hear it every every time i go to a youth field anywhere in the country i hear you do that again and you'll be sat next to me and my heart sinks every single time because they're not talking about it they, they, they're making a distinct they, they're missing the distinction between a player that is not trying hard enough and a player that is in the process of learning and that mm. could be, you know, professional play. Could be a could be a tactical plan that you put into place. And it's not that, that you know. I'm sure you've been teams where you're trying to build a game plan as best you can, and maybe you've made a wrong decision. Or there's so many things that you as players have to think about and digest Absolutely. and add into your decision making process that you're not robot. And we don't want robots because the game wouldn't be what it is if we had robots. But just because mm. somebody moves left instead of right and perhaps doesn't get something quite right, it doesn't mean that they were intentionally disregarding the, the game plan or disrespecting the coach. And this is the problem. This mm. is the problem that I see more than any other with aspiring talent and aspiring players is young players are being chastised and demeaned and told things like that when they're in the process of learning. And, mm. you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things where I think we used to think, well, the, the strong survive that process and whoever comes out at the end is obviously better than anyone else, but it's not the case. We are losing talented players and we are losing talented coaches. And I think in the women's game, it's something we need to be having a conversation about because this is not just um, youth fields. This is not just college soccer. This is, you know, we've seen what happened in the professional league. So I think you're making a great distinction here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I encourage all coaches to just, just get to know their players. 
on a personal level because that's you know I, as a player I know when when a coach is invested in me and I know when they're not so like if a coach really gets takes the time to understand me as a person and, and how to get through to me then they're gonna see the best version of me on the field I mean obviously I always strive to be my best but it's it's a different feeling when you know you have a coach that like believes in you and who wants the best uh, from you. You could you could just tell, and sometimes that takes some time as well too. Because you know I've been in situations playing professionally where maybe at first I didn't have like the best relationship with the coach, but as months went by, they got to get to know me more as a player and a person, and then. They're like, oh, wow, Tiff's like this because of this. Oh, okay, this is how I need to work with Tiff. And then they've gotten the best out of me, and I've changed the entire program. That That's that's happened many times, actually. You know, so sometimes it's okay for players to come into new environments and it not click right away, but it, you just yeah. have to be patient with yourself. And also on a, on the coaching standpoint, they have to be patient with the player as well, too, because it, it's impossible to expect for a new player to come in come in and completely mesh with everyone from the get-go and then get the best out of them right away. You, you need time to build, you know, and patience to build. So that's why I'm also okay. excited here because I know that that I'm building. And once once we I hit that moment with I guess my coach and the players around me where it's just like, oh wow, Tiff needs this. Or if we do this for Tiff, um, in terms of getting her in the best situations to to go score goals or whatever, like we're we're gonna see a whole other level from Tiff, you know. But it takes time. We can't we can't expect for those things to happen overnight. So, um, yeah, I just I just encourage I encourage all female coaches and also female players to just have patience and. You know, everyone, every player has something special about them. And it's about bringing out their strengths um, and also challenging their weaknesses as well, too. And sometimes players will come into environments and they'll feel like they don't matter. But everyone has a purpose. And it's about finding finding why they are in that environment in the first place. And everyone has different mm. reasons, right? So, yeah, that's what I've learned. I couldn't, I could. I couldn't agree more. In in the women's game, you are your job is well in men's game as well, but we're here to talk about the women's game. So in the women's game, your job is to discover that and to grow that and not to dismiss that. I think that's the key thing what you're saying there, isn't it? Yeah. Tiffany Cameron is with us, professional footballer. It's been a fantastic episode so far. So much insight and so much authenticity from from Tiff in terms of her journey and you know what we're trying to do here in terms of driving the standards in women's football. Tiff, you're currently playing in Spain. You're currently playing at Real Betis. You know the Spanish league has had a lot of press in recent years in terms of you know great crowds and wonderful support. Uh, people will know about. Uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, those kinds of clubs, and and obviously world champion. So there's a lot going on in uh, in football in Spain right now. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience there? I think Spain is the best league that I've played in uh, in my career. I mean, I've played in Germany, I've played in 
um, Norway, Sweden, and America, those are all uh, top countries. Uh, but I, there's something special about Spanish football. Um, this, I think players are not afraid to express themselves. So they're very technical and, and tactical as well, too. And it's very enjoyable football to watch and also be a part of. And I think it's interesting because a couple of years ago, I had a conversation with my Asian and we're talking about the Spanish league and he's like, yeah, Tiff, it's growing. It's um, getting more competitive. You know, he said, I think years from now, it's going to be an excellent league. And he was right. And, and I always had this kind of on my list of places where I wanted to play at some point. Um, and I'm happy that I, that I, we made it happen. Um, so now I, I've been here for what about five months and my teammates are great. They're, they're really kind people. Um, and I think that's important when you're in an environment, especially a new environment, you have uh, loving energy around you, you know, and I, even though not everyone can speak uh, English, they still try to communicate with me in a way where like, I'll, I'll say something in English and then they'll say something in Spanish and then we kind of teach teach each other words. So it's it's cute. <laughs> um and it's and it shows that like we care and we want to wanna help each other, you know. And I think that's important having an off the field relationship. But I still know that there's so many things that I have to learn about my teammates and there's so many things that they have to learn about me, you know. So it it's it's a process, but it, it's nice that that environment that this is an environment where I'm not afraid to be myself, you know, and that's important because sometimes people will come into a new environment and they'll be like, Oh, I don't know if I should do this or I should do that. I've always felt um, like open. So that's important. Uh, but yeah, I think this uh, Spanish football was amazing. Um, uh, I think one of my most memorable moments playing in this league was when I, when we played against Real Madrid, we actually, I didn't start that game. It was, I think, our second or third game of the league. And I was new. I came after the World Cup. So I missed, like, literally the whole preseason. So I wasn't expecting to roll up and be like, okay, I'm going to be a starter. And I knew it was going to take time. But I remember in that game, we were losing quite badly. I think I ended up coming on the last, like, seven minutes or ten minutes. And I was angry because I hate losing. And there was, like, seven, yeah, seven minutes left. And I scored a brilliant goal with my left foot. And it was a moment for me where I didn't care what the scoreline was. It was a, hey, my name is Tiffany Cameron and I'm new to this league. And that's, I don't care who who I'm playing against. I don't care if it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, who I don't care. I'm going to show why I belong in this league. And that was one of the best goals that I scored probably in my career. I mean, I've scored some really good ones, but it was also nice because it was with my left foot. And remember the conversation we had earlier about yep. <laughs> as, a, as a youth player, my left foot was terrible, you know, so it, it just was, it was one of those things where I'm like, I'm not afraid. The, the one thing about me is I'm not afraid of any opponent. I think the last time I was ever afraid of, of a player, I should say, was back when I was playing for Team Canada. We played against France and, you know, Wendy, she is this Wendy's huge, on. tall player and yep. I was so intimidated. But that was the last yep. time that I ever, I ever let like a player intimidate me, because I, I told myself I said I could I could play against um, players with a ton of experience or whatever the case is, but 
I can't show fear because once I show fear, I'm, I'm giving them power. So now when I play, I don't care about who I play against. Even in the World Cup, I don't put pressure on myself. I say it's a game. It's a game of football. Anything can happen. So I just have to go on the field and just do my best and, and show, you know, if whether I'm playing 90 minutes, whether I'm playing 30 minutes, whether I'm playing five minutes, I have to show why I why I'm on the field and why I belong there. So that was an incredible moment for me because it it was like it was just it just solidified why I came to Spain and that there's so much more where that came from. And and now whenever I play, I think about that moment and I think about how I can be very impactful for this club. But I also have to give myself some time and like grace and, and learn that not everything happens overnight. So, but yeah, I think, I think that was also a statement for me and it was a statement for the league and also for my club as well too, that I'm capable of, of, um, being put under pressure and making a difference. So I just want to have more performances like that where it doesn't matter how much time I'm given, I'm going to do something special. So, yeah, I, I would say I, I, my most enjoyable moments career-wise of playing football have, have been in Spain just because of the technical and tactical aspect of things. So, yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's a great league. It's certainly it's certainly a league that is gaining uh, momentum and getting attention all around the world. And like you said, I think Barcelona, ninety thousand, ninety five thousand, you know, consecutive crowd certainly caught the eye. And I think this is great. The more the more we can have the strong leagues around the world, whether it's the the Barclays Super League, the NWSL, the Dam of Frenton, you know, maybe coming back uh, to what it was at one stage during the the 90s and 2000s, and the Italian league resurgence of recent years. The more we see this, the more people are going to get an opportunity, like you said, to, to, to walk that path. You mentioned the, the goal with the foot, um, and this is something that I've kind of, this is something I've picked up in my time working in women's football. It, the difference between how, I, I don't like to compare the two games, but the difference between how perhaps, you know, the, the men celebrate the goals and sometimes how, how women celebrate the goals, especially at the collegiate level that I've seen. The men don't seem to mind running to the corner flag and, and making two spoons of themselves and jumping around. <laughs> it. But it's almost like sometimes in the female game, it's, oh, I scored a goal, but I, I'll run back to the halfway line now and we'll get going again. And that moment is such an important moment that to hear you describing your feeling as that left-footed goal was scored there it was the moment you announced yourself in Spain. And I've got kind of a personal agenda to try and encourage female players and female coaches to encourage people in the women's game to enjoy that moment more. And really, you know, we don't we don't need um we don't need orchestrated, you know, choreographed celebrations. Just that moment yeah. of pure undulating joy. I feel like it's missed sometimes. Do you would you agree, disagree? Have you seen that yourself? Ever noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think yeah, I think so sometimes because people are afraid of like what things are going to look like. Like so at the time when I yeah. scored this goal against Real Madrid, we were losing 5 nothing, but it was yeah. just it meant still meant a lot to me that I that I did that. So I I didn't care about yeah. what it looked like. Like and and if people wanted to talk yeah. about how I, I like jumped up in the air, I fist pumped, but then I then after I was like 
yeah. I don't know my face. I got. I'll send it. I'll send the clip to you. <laughs> but you could tell that I was <laughs> I also. You could tell that I was also angry because I don't like losing. Yeah. And I don't like losing that badly. But it was also yeah. like just showing that it doesn't matter if they're if you if you're playing as a top team and maybe you're like a a middle uh, place team, whatever. You could still you could still do something special. You could still stand out. You know, maybe you're not expected to to win, but it's important to to show why you're playing in a top league you know it's I, I don't know I think sometimes females are intimidated by maybe other opponents their successes and everything like that but I think we're all humans you know and we all make mistakes nobody's perfect so that also makes that also gives room for brilliance when you can acknowledge that okay this person is not perfect I I could I could um, be special. I could take advantage of maybe a little bit of their weaknesses, you know? So, yeah, I think uh, it's important to celebrate uh, little moments. I mean, someone's, you could look at it and say, okay, well, the score, score line was 5-1, like, well, who cares? But that little moment that someone could perceive, like, that I was in was a big moment for me. So yeah. I, I yeah. think if something matters to you, you should be able to express yourself and, and show why yeah. it matters. I think that's so powerful, Tiff, because you're you're gonna give everybody listening the you know, the 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 strength to be able to say to themselves that, you know, I can take a little bit out of this for myself because it is a journey and you need those little wins along the way. I get it. Five hills down to Real Madrid, I get it, right? But you're not gonna run to the mm-hmm. corner flag. But acknowledging the <laughs> moment. And 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 keeping that with you, right? There there is a strength. If there is a if there is an element of the of the female game for players where they perhaps sometimes don't want to stand out or maybe they don't want to be singled out, yeah, we have got to manage that, of course. And and the, the best like, the best coaches in the world are doing that, right? But you know, if if there is an element of you know, let's walk into that uh, in the world. There is also a strength underlying and a grit and a determination and a just a sense of solidity in the women's game where certainly in places like England and some parts of Europe, maybe more so than the States, but there is a strength there that this can be built upon as well. And like you said, when you get that right, there's a huge, there's a huge learning curve and there's, there's amazing things happen on the back end. And it's great to hear someone like you who's lived that, talking about that and giving every aspiring player and aspiring coach, you know, the reflection point where they can think about that and how they allow that to come. In terms of you and 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 what next, you know, as your career enters its kind of senior years, you know, you can play on obviously, and I'm sure you will. But at some point in the future, in the next five or six years, you'll probably turn your attention to what's next. It would be a prime for the game if if we don't have you involved at the collegiate level in the coming years with what you have to offer and your knowledge of the game and the experiences that you've had and eventually we get you in the, in the professional game it would be a crime in my eyes if we don't retain someone like you in the game so what is what is your plan what what, what do you want thank you <laughs> um i mean after i finished playing football i've always wanted to coach um you know my 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 first goal was to go back to ohio state and coach there as the assistant coach you know mm-hmm. um 
maybe one day the head coach. Um, but I also think it's important to have an open mindset where I shouldn't just focus on just that one uh, coaching position. I should put myself more out there. So I'm open now to coaching at a collegiate level. It has to be D1 um, mm. in America. So whatever opportunity presents itself, uh, for me, I, I would be open for it. Uh, it would be, of, of course, amazing to go back to Ohio State uh, and give back mm. to the program, like how they, they helped me develop in so many ways. Um, but what I've learned throughout the years is that, you know, it, you never know what's needed um, until you go and ask for it. And there was a situation um, the past, what, I think, year and a half or two years where I was looking into possibly getting into the program with Ohio State. And I mean, they had all their coaches uh, lined up. So there wasn't any room for me, even if I wanted to go. So that's, mm. that was also an eye opener where it's like, I can't just put my eggs all in one basket. I have to make sure yeah. that I make myself available to anything and see what's best for me. So um, I would say definitely that's, that's one of my goals to coach at the collegiate level. Um, I would want to start off as an assistant coach, um, maybe get a, couple years under my belt seeing how that works and then eventually um go up move up to the head coach uh, position um and you know I have my b license right now so I want to look to getting my a license which would uh, allow me to coach at a national team level um and one day possibly be involved with team Jamaica or team Canada whatever opportunity presents itself I'd be open for that um I'd also want to get into mentoring as well too also probably scouting as well um i have a really good relationship with my agent and he has a lot of connections all around the world so i know if i see a player that has quality to play at a professional level i would be able to recommend them to him you know and i think that's another part of my my i guess my strengths where i'm able to recognize when a player has it all and when they can take themselves to the next level so you know it comes to coaching uh being a mentor and being a scout those three things are really important to me maybe I might dibble and dabble uh working uh with a sports company one day Nike Adidas Puma um those would be my top uh behind the scenes marketing like you know for me I obviously you know I also write my own music and I have a very creative mind and I have to, I think God has given me like the talent to express myself off the field in that way and in, in writing, making my own music. So I would want to some, somehow use that in some way. So there's a lot of things that I could be able to dabble in. <laughs> my life could go in many different directions, you know, but I know for sure I, I definitely want to get into coaching. That's that's 100% because I know I'm going to also miss the game as well too. You know, I, I think it's hard as if you're an athlete all your life and all of a sudden you're not playing anymore. Like what? No, I want to, I want to still be playing. I want to be able to jump into training sometimes and do certain things, show my players certain stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Those. So, so yeah, those, those are my goals um, in the future. So we'll see what ends up happening. Well, Tiffany, having been privileged to spend a little bit of time in, in your company and see a little bit of your career to date, I, I, I absolutely believe those things will be in your future and we will be supporting you for sure. Everybody here at theproplayer.com will be 
supporting you in that journey and in your in your playing out in Spain. I think what you've done today, for sure, by giving us this time, is you you you've certainly inspired, you know, thousands of people. You'll never even meet. You'll never even know. That was the point of the of this initiative in the first place. And and, and honestly, Tiff, your your expertise, your valor, the strength you show, the grace you have, you you live a life where you are fully committed to leaving it better than how you found it. And you have a great perspective on what it means to be a high-performing professional athlete. You know, winner, competitor, deliver in the big moment, but you also have the aspect of your life, like you said there, that you are involved in and, and committed to as well. And what a, what a fantastic hour to spend in your company. So thank you from everybody at the ProPlayer.com. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to hearing um, your other episodes as well, too. I'll definitely share them with my family, friends, yeah. and fans. Brilliant. Thank you. Season two is, is going to be out in 2024. Very special. We're devoting all 16 episodes to the female voices within the game. And uh, the aim is obviously to inspire and offer strength to everybody in the female game currently or aspiring to be uh, for a journey that, as we've said today, is, is often treacherous and hard for. And, and winding and up and down and you need you need a lot of that don't you to, to achieve what you've achieved so you've certainly done that for a lot of people today and we can't thank you thank you very much for having me and best of luck in the future we'll definitely keep in touch <laughs>